Good morning and uh, welcome to the house of the Lord. We're so glad you're here today. Well, this morning we're going to begin a two-week series entitled Vision. And we're going to talk about uh, basically doing some back to the basics. And uh, every year during the 21-day fast, uh, I personally take some time just to seek the Lord and really ask God for fresh vision for what He wants for our church. And over the last couple years, uh, we have put a lot of, e- a lot of emphasis uh, and a lot of effort into really creating uh, systems and processes here at Liberty to help people connect to the body of Christ. And uh, if you're not familiar with that, let me just go ahead and encourage you uh, that we have a four-week process uh, that's called our Connection Track. It happens every Sunday during the 1130 service. Step one is on the first Sunday, step two is on the second, and so forth. And what we want to do through that Connection Track is we want to help you uh, as a new person or maybe somebody that's been attending for a while but never really committed to the church and you want to get in. Step two talks about what is the vision of our church so you kind of understand what are you connecting yourself to. Step three helps you discover your gifts, uh, spiritual gifts and your personality. And step four, uh, which is today, actually helps you connect uh, to one of the ministry teams here in the church. So if you've been attending for a while and you say, you know what, I want to take that next step. I want to actually become a member. I want to become a part of Liberty Church. I want to get involved. I want to begin to serve. And I've got gifts and talents, and I want to put those to use for the Lord. It really is as simple as just a four-week connection track. And you can jump in at any time and uh, start that process and really take those steps to get connected. We also have what we call our growth track, the Journey to Freedom class is a part of that. Uh, and the growth track is divided into, into three nine-week classes uh, that really are intended to do just what it says, to help you grow uh, in your relationship with God, to help catapult you forward. We, we find out that so many people uh, that are, number one, coming to the Lord, don't have any kind of biblical background. And any, many times, people that have even been raised in church really don't understand what they believe or why they believe in it. So we want to help lay a foundation in your life. Uh, We want to give you some resources for what it means to have a biblical marriage. Uh, And then we want to help you connect your heart to to God's vision for your life and really begin to walk out God's plan for you. And so we we have spent the last couple years really focusing on kind of fine-tuning those things, getting those processes and those systems in place. Uh, We also implemented last year what we called our first-time guest area, and uh, uh, we, we made a decision that, you know what, when somebody walks to the door of Liberty Church for the first time, we want them to know how important they are. We want to know that we're glad that they're here, that this is a place that's for them, right? God has a place for you here, no matter who you are, no matter what you've come out of. Uh, and we want to help you know that you're loved and you're, uh, you're embraced here at Liberty Church. And so we started that last year. We had over 250 first-time guests during 2016. People walked through the doors, amen, for the first time. And... Uh, And so we do our best to connect to those folks and love them and let them know, hey, if this is what you're looking for uh, and and you're looking for a church, we would love to have you here at Liberty. And so we've spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, really learning, growing, and processing those things in order to create what we call systems here at Liberty uh, that really just create a a fine-tuned flow for people to be able to get connected, get involved, and begin to serve. Uh, And so this year as I was praying, the Lord just really quickened in my heart He gave me five things that he said I want us to focus on this year. Uh, And really, it's almost just really a back-to-the-basics mentality. 
Uh, the Lord spoke very clearly to me. He said, Keith, over the last few years, y'all focus very well on setting the processes and the systems in place because those are necessary. You got to have a training track for people to move something, a process for people to work through uh, so they can get connected and grow. And he said, you've done an excellent job doing that. And I believe we have. We got a great team, great church, uh, and really seeing God do some amazing things. But he said, this year, I want you to focus on just going back to the basics. Back to the very heartbeat of why you exist and what I've called you to do. And what does it really mean just to be a local church? And so the Lord gave me five things. We're going to look at two today. We're going to look at three next Sunday. And we're just going to talk about some back-to-the-basic principles that, uh, as you're going to see today, I want to encourage you in this. We're going to talk specifically about the church, uh, but I want to encourage you to recognize that each of these five principles we're going to talk about over the next two weeks really do apply to your personal life. So not only is this a vision for our church, but I believe it's also a very practical vision for every person in the room here today to take home and really evaluate how you're living your life and uh, have we moved away, because sometimes we do that, we move away, a little, the water a little, a little, the simplicities of Christ, and sometimes we get the, we get the muddy, a little, the water a little, a little muddy, a little cloudy, uh, because we kind of shift away. And so the Lord said, I really want our emphasis this year just to be on that back to the basic mentality. So let me give you a scripture. Uh, it comes out of the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul said this. He said, I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. And I promised you as a pure bride to one husband who is Christ. But I fear, at least somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And, and I'm going to be just real honest with you. It is really easy in our modern world to get so caught up in all the things we want to do for God that sometimes we actually uh, move away from God. Sometimes we lose the focus and the heartbeat and the, the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of what God has really called us to do. And so over the next couple weeks... We're just going to talk about how do we return back to those basics? How do we reclaim the, just the simplicity of Christ and make sure that we're not being moved away corporately or even personally from the heartbeat of what God has called us to do? So the first thought, let me give you the first back to the basic principle, and I'm going to give you two thoughts to kind of drive the one thought home. Uh, but the first one is simply this. The Lord really just kind of drove this home, and that is this first thought is simply that our best efforts are not enough. Our best efforts are not enough. If God is not in it, it won't work. Our best efforts are not enough. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Keith, that kind of sounds kind of counter, counter, uh, you know, cultural, counter, uh, intuitive to how we teach and train and live our lives. Uh, I want you to understand, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do our best. But what God is saying is that our best is not enough if he's not in it. See, there is a challenge in our culture today that, you know what, we can, we can, uh, we can put such an emphasis on being excellent that we begin to put confidence in our excellence instead of putting confidence in God. We begin to believe that if I just do it to the best of my ability, it'll automatically work out. But the reality is, is that what God has called us to do as a church requires Him. 
It requires the supernatural. It requires the power, the presence, and the anointing of God. If we're going to be the church God has called us to be, we can't do it without His presence. We can't do it without His power. And we can't do it without His glory. He has to show up or it's just another day. Amen? Let me give you a couple of scriptures. First, or Psalms 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. Who build it? Unless the Lord keeps or guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What does that mean? It simply means this. Man, you can build it, but if God ain't in it, it won't work. Right? You can set a guard, but if God ain't in it, your, your best efforts are not enough if God is not in it. Your best efforts are not enough if God is is not in it. And the Lord really began to stir on my heart as we've been in these 21 days of prayer and fasting, the significance of prayer. And we've really upped our prayer game this year. Uh, We have prayer on the first Saturday of every month. We have prayer on the second Saturday of every month. We have prayer on the third Saturday of every month. We have watch night prayer the last day of every month. We have Thursday morning men's prayer every Thursday of every week. And we are upping our prayer game. And let me tell you why. Because the Lord really quickly, very, very specifically spoke this to me. He said, Keith, he said, do you realize that your prayer life reveals your dependency upon me? Your prayer life reveals your dependency upon me. And years ago, the Lord said this to me. He said, Keith, prayerlessness is actually pridefulness. Prayerlessness... (laughs) His pridefulness. <laughs> Thank you, Cassa. I wanted to say it again anyway. I just needed a little help. <laughs> so if we're not praying, why are we not praying? Well, because we think we can handle it. Right? We're not praying about what we're doing because we think we can handle what we're doing. We're not praying about our business because we think we got it. We're not praying about our family because we think we got it. We're not praying about our services because we think we got it. We're not praying about the things going on in our lives because we think we got it. Prayerlessness is pridefulness, right? And my prayer life really does reveal my dependency upon God. There's an old saying that says you ought to work like everything depends on you and you ought to pray like everything depends on God. And both those statements are true, right? Because you do have a part to play, right? We have to give God our best. Anything less than excellence is a disgrace in the face of God. But we also have to understand that our best efforts without His presence, His power, and His glory are not enough. It won't produce the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. And so the Lord really began to challenge me to think about all that we're doing and and to think about the fact that, you know what, man, we are doing our best to operate with excellence. But excellence never replaces His presence. It never replaces His anointing. It never replaces His glory. Because what God has called us to do requires God. I mean, as we were worshiping this morning, and, and as people were praying for one another and prophesying over one another and ministering to one another, man, how, do you, how, do you, how does that happen? How does, I mean, there were tears of, of joy and tears of sorrow and tears of repentance and tears of happiness being shed in this altar this morning. What produces that? Only one thing, God's presence. So here's, here's the reality. You can operate with a spirit of excellence, and you can attract a crowd. 
See, if you have the right systems and processes in place and you market what you're doing well enough, you can attract people to come to it. But excellence without the presence and power of God will never advance the kingdom of God. Our goal is not to attract a crowd. Our goal is to advance the kingdom of God. And I believe this. I believe when you advance the kingdom of God that there will be a crowd. (laughs) Right? There will be a great crowd because everywhere Jesus went, multitudes flocked to be around him. Multitudes wanted to hear him. Multitudes wanted to see him. Multitudes wanted to encounter him. But Jesus' agenda was never, let's attract a crowd. It was always, let's advance the kingdom. And when we begin to understand, hey, you know what? If we get back to the very basics of what we're doing and how we're living our lives, we begin to understand that it's not enough to do our best. We've got to invite his presence and his anointing to be upon it. Because I'll be honest with you, I've been to some great conferences and I've heard some great singers and I've heard some great speakers. But without the anointing of God, it's just songs and sermons. (laughs) And how many of you understand it's not songs and sermons that change your life? And I love God. It is the the presence of God. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yoke. And I want to challenge you. I want you to think about even in your own life today. What does your prayer life reveal about your dependency upon God? How much time do you ask, spend asking God for his wisdom, his grace, his direction, and his anointing? How much time do you spend inviting him to show up in the thing that you're about to do? God, just show up. God, we want you to show up. Now, I know that when two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. Lord, I know that you're here. I know there's the, the omnipresence of God. But, Lord, I, want, I don't want just the manifest. I want the tangible presence of heaven. I want lives to be changed. Right? I want lives to be changed. Right? We're not preaching for entertainment. We're preaching for life change. Right? If your life's not being changed, I'm not doing my job. I want to preach in such a way under the anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit that God pricks your heart and does something so real in you that when you get up tomorrow morning, you may not remember what I said, but you remember what God did. That God began to do something in you on Sunday morning in church through his presence, through his power, through his glory that marked your life and changed your life and empowered your life so that you could live a different life for his glory. And so God said, he said, Keith, we just got to always remember that our best isn't good enough. If he's not in it, it just won't work. We can attract a crowd, but we can't advance the kingdom without the presence and power of God. Jesus said it this way in the Gospel of John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. I want you to hear this today. You can, through, through, through your best efforts, through an excellent spirit, you can get temporal results. But you can't produce eternal fruit without the anointing and blessing of God. It's God's favor and it's God's blessing and it's God's anointing and it's God's grace 
and it's God's mercy and it's God's goodness and it's God's glory that brings forth the eternal, produces eternal fruit in the hearts and lives of people. If you want to see something eternal in your family, in your own heart, in your own life, then recognize, recognize it's going to require God to do something. God, you're going to have to show up and show out in my life. I'm going to position myself. I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to operate out of a spirit of excellence. And I'm going to, I'm going to cry out to heaven for you to put your hand upon it. To take it where I could never take it and do what I could never do. And go where I could never go. And God, to accomplish things that I could never accomplish. Just because you simply so God wanted and blessed and prospered the works of the hands of your people. So God, we need you. Let me give you another thought along that line, just kind of reiterating that same thought. So the church can't be the church, right? The church can't be the church without the presence, power, and anointing of God. If it's not about him and if it's not for him, then God's not in it. If it's not about him and if it's not for him, then God is not in it. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. And there's a whole bunch of scripture there. We're just going to read that first verse, verse 16. It says, for by him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created that are in the heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, look at this last part of the verse, all things were created by him and for him. All things were created by him and for him. Let me give you a great thought today. God is not interested in advancing your agenda. God is not interested in fulfilling your will. God is interested in advancing his agenda and fulfilling his will. God has a dream for your life, and that's what he wants you to live. Not your dream, his dream. Why? Because you were created by him, and you were created for him. You were created by him, and you were created for him. You were created for his glory. You were created for his honor. You were created to fulfill his agenda on the earth, to fulfill his will on the earth, to fulfill his plan in your family. You are the instrument through which God accomplishes his good pleasure and his good will in the earth. So if it's not about him, and if it's not for him, then he's not in it. God's not interested in making you famous. God's not interested in making you rich. God doesn't get excited because you made a bunch of money. God gets excited because he can put money in the hands of people that will build the kingdom of God. God gets excited in the prosperity of his children. God gets excited about seeing his people fulfill his will with his heart, with his passion, and with his desire. And so I want you to think about that. If it's not about him, if it's not for him, then he's not. Now, here's the good thing about God. is God is all about you. <laughs> God loves you. God sent his son to die for you. You are the prized possession, the apple of his eye. But I want you to understand, God does not exist for us. We exist for him. It's all about him. You might be thinking, well, Pastor Keith, it sure does sound like God's selfish. I mean, it's just all about me, all about me, all about me. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're God, who do you worship? If you're God, who do you worship? He can't worship anything other than himself. He is the 
He can't worship anything other than himself. He is the highest, goodest, greatest, grandest thing on all the planet and all the universe. And God can only give honor and glory and praise and power to his name. Because he's God. Well, it sounds like he thinks it all about him. It is. It's all about him. And he passionately loves you. Isn't that awesome? It's all about him, but he passionately loves me and you to the point to offer heaven's best for our redemption and our salvation and our transformation. The church can't be the church without God. And if it ain't about him and if it ain't for him, it just won't work. It'll never produce eternal lasting fruit. Think about this for a minute. You ever pray one of these prayers? God, if you'll just do this, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. God, if you'll just do I'll never ask for another thing. If you'll just do this, Lord, I'll be yours. I'll preach. I'll go to Africa. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll live anywhere you want to live. God, if you'll just do this one thing, then I will, I'll just serve you with all my heart. Let me, let me give you a, a thought about that. That type of prayer never produces lasting fruit because it's not about God. It's all about you. Now think about that for a minute, right? Because how many times have you prayed one of those prayers? God, if you'll just do this, I'll serve you. If you'll just do this, I'll live for you. If you'll just do this, I'll give my life for you. And then guess what God does? He does it, right? I mean, hadn't he done it? Hadn't he answered those prayers? Hadn't he showed up in your life? Hadn't he done those things that you said, God, if you'll just do this one thing, I'll live for you the rest of my life. And God does it, and you know what you do? Nothing. You do the same thing you always did. You live the same life you always lived. Maybe you get worse. Why? Because that type of prayer doesn't invoke the presence of God. It is incapable of producing eternal fruit. Why? Because it's not about him and it's not for him. But when you start praying, God, your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. God, I want to do what you call me to do. I want to be the husband you call me to be. I want to be the wife you call me to be. I want to be the Christian you call me to be. I want to live the life you've called me. I want to be free because you said I need to be free. All of a sudden, when it's about him and for him, God can show up and it will produce lasting fruit. See, when you get to the place where you say, you know what, God, I'm going to serve you no matter what you do. I'm going to live for you no matter what it costs me. I'm going to go where you tell me to go and I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I don't care if it takes my last breath, my last penny, my last dime. If I lay down my life in order to accomplish what you've called me to do. If I never get rich, if I never get healed, if I never get delivered. If I never get the things I want to get, God, I'm going to serve you. Man, that's an unstoppable believer. Because you were made by him and you were made for him. Now God, because he's a loving father, answers those crazy prayers. 
Right? We do it for our kids. You ever had your kids come to you? Say, Dad, if you'll just buy me this, I'll clean my room every day. You'll never have to ask me to take out the garbage. I'll do it every, I'll, every day. It'll be perfect. I'll, I'll do this. Right? If you'll just get me the puppy. Right? I'll feed it. I'll water it. I'll clean up after it. And you know, right? You know it ain't going to happen. There is no way they're going to do what they're saying they're going to do. But because you love them, you get them the puppy. And then you clean up after it for the rest of its life. Right? Why do you do that? Because you love them. That's what God does. But you know what? All those empty promises never produce lasting fruit. Not in our kids and not in us. It is only when we say, God, it's all about you. God, I want to live for your honor and I want to live for your glory. Now, here's the great thing I found out. When I live for God's honor and God's glory, I benefit. (laughs) Because God's way of living is the best way of living. God's way of living is the best way of living. And when I die, I live. And when I sacrifice, I prosper. It's crazy. It's upside down and backwards. When I humble myself, God promotes me. Right? When I swallow my pride, God elevates me. Right? When I forgive, God liberates me. Why? Because that's how God works. When you live for him and by him and honor him, God gets the glory and he shows up. And all of a sudden, it is God's presence that produces lasting, eternal fruit. All the empty promises of manipulation that are rooted in self-centeredness and self-serving never last. But if we can ever get to the point where we say, God, it's all about you. I just want to live for you. All of a sudden, God begins to work in a way we could never begin to fathom or imagine. Let me give you our last point for today. There's two points. It takes me two points to make one point. You know, I'm a preacher. It's hard on me to do that. Let's look at that next little point. There we go. The second thing the Lord said is he said, remember who you are. Remember who you are. We need to go back to the basics of simply just remembering who we are. We, we are not a Sunday morning social club. We are not. If you came to Liberty thinking that somehow if I connect to Liberty Church, I'm going to gain social prestige, I'm sorry. <laughs> you probably won't. <laughs> But we are a spiritual family, and we are the body of Christ. We are a spiritual family, and we are the body of Christ. And more specifically for Liberty individually, Liberty Church, right, is a church that helps people. And it's a church that loves people. And it's a church that accepts the people nobody else wants to accept and reaches the people nobody else wants to reach and goes to places nobody else wants to go. And God said, don't you ever be ashamed of who I've called you to be. See, we've been labeled as that church. Well, you don't want to go to that church because they let drug addicts in. I wouldn't want to go to any church that wouldn't let a drug addict in. If sinners can't come to Jesus, who can? And if you'll go home and look in the mirror, you'll find out you're a little messed up too. (laughs) Don't look real hard, you'll get discouraged. I mean, but you, we're all just a little bit messed up. 
We are a spiritual family. You know what I know about families? Families don't always agree. I don't know why we think that churches ought to always get along. I mean, there's five people in your family. <laughs> Listen to Glenn. Preach me down, Glenn. There's five people, there's five people in your family, and y'all don't get along. Right? I mean, think about it. There's five people in your house, and y'all don't get along, and yet you come together with 500 other people, and we think we ought to always get along. I want to tell you something. In a spiritual family, you're not always going to agree. You're not always going to see eye to eye. You're not always going to think this was the greatest idea or the best idea. But you know what? We are a spiritual family. And guess what? If you're committed to your family, you don't walk out just because you're getting a disagreement. Press in. You press through. You determine, hey, God's called us to do something that's bigger than our disagreements. And if you stay here long enough, we're going to make you mad. And if you stay here long enough, you're going to disagree with something we do. But you know what? We are a family. And that's what families do. Kelly and I have been married for 26 years, and we made a decision years ago. We've never used the word divorce. No matter how mad we've got at each other, no matter how intense the argument got, we never said, well, we're just going to get a divorce. That word has been removed from our vocabulary. So what that means is, is that when we get dog fighting mad, Right? You know, and Brother Rod said, I never thought about divorcing Mary, but I thought about killing her a few times. <laughs> you know, when you get dog fighting mad, when you get so furious, you just won't, don't know what you're going to do. When you have decided that we're going to make this work, you know what you have to do? After you finally calm down, you finally got to start praying. God, help us to figure it out. God, we got to come out on the other side of this. Help me to love them. Help me to serve them. Help me to work together. God, help us to find a win so that everybody here can move out on the other side with victory. That's what you do when you're a family. That's who we are. We're a spiritual family. We are the body of Christ. And we are better together. Amen? When one part rejoices, we all rejoice. When one part suffers, we all suffer. We are the body of Christ. Let me tell you something good. You never have to stand alone when you stand connected. You never have to stand alone when you stand connected because we're one body. Let me give you that last thought, just a continued emphasis of this. So who are we? We're soul-winning, disciple-making, devil-stomping, worshiping warriors. And we are the devil's worst nightmare. Satan thinks about Liberty Church and he breaks out the Pepto. We upset his stomach. He lays awake at night worrying about what are we going to do? Why? Because we are a soul-winning, disciple-making, devil-stomping church. We are committed to seeing people come to know Jesus. Last year on Sunday mornings, we had over 150 decisions for Christ. We had over 50 decisions for Christ through Celebrate Recovery last year. We had over 300 decisions for Christ through our jail ministry on Sunday morning led by Brother Jim here in Arab. Over 500 decisions last year of people who either committed or recommitted their life to following Jesus. Why? Because we're soul winning, disciple making. You want to grow, you're in the right place. You want to stay stagnant and stale, you need to find a new church. We need your seat. We need your seat. We are making disciples.
If you want to grow, you can plug in here. You can grow. You can get in a small group. You can get in the growth track. You can get in the connection track. And we're going to help you grow. We're going to help you mature. We're going to help you find freedom from your past and embrace the future that only Jesus Christ has for you. That's who we are. And we should never be ashamed of who we are. God says that's who you are. Celebrate. Celebrate who I've called you to be. We are devil stompers. We love kicking the teeth in the devil of the devil in, right? Every Tuesday and Friday night through Celebrate Recovery, people are getting 30-day chips, 60-day chips, 90-day chips, one-year chips. People are getting set free from addiction, set free from strongholds. Through our counseling ministry, we're seeing marriages restored. We're seeing families put back together. We're seeing couples that were divorced get remarried and prosper and succeed like they've never succeeded before because of Jesus, because of Him. We love messed up people because God takes messed up people and makes masterpieces out of their life. That's who we are. And we ought to celebrate who God's called us to be. Never be ashamed. I'll be in that church. You ought to want to be that church. The church that causes hell to tremble and heaven to rejoice. Stand to your feet this morning. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you today. God, we love you so much. We are so thankful for who you are. We are so thankful that you're in this place. God, it's you. It's all about you. God, it's your kingdom, your will, your purpose, your plan, Lord. God, our ideas and our efforts are never enough without you. Unless you show up, unless you breathe on us, God, we remain dry bones. But God, I thank you today that you have awakened us. You have breathed your breath upon us. God, you have raised us up, God, to be a light in the darkness, to be a city set upon a hill. And God, we refuse to be denied today. God, we will be who you've called us to be. And God, we will embrace it and we will run hard after it. And we will give you all the glory and all the praise. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to just remain with me for about 60 more seconds. Maybe you're here today and you walked in here today and you don't know who Jesus is. And you're like, man, what are all these crazy people shouting about? They're shouting about the fact that there's forgiveness from your past and that Jesus could be the Lord of your life. And that when you stop living for yourself and you start living for Him, your world radically changes. Radically changes. God does not play, let's make a deal. God plays, this is the deal. That's the only thing. God says, this is the deal. I am Lord of all or not at all. But if you'll make me Lord of all, your life will change for good. If temporal Lord of all, your sins will be forgiven. Your heaven, your, your eternal life will be settled. And your temporal life will be lived for a purpose for which you were originally created. You were made by Him and for Him. And any way you live your life outside of that is an atrocity to the truth of what God has intended for your life. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want to stop living for me and I want to start living for God. I was created by Him and I want to live for Him. And I want to give Jesus complete authority over my life. I want to surrender my life to Him right now ask Him to be my Lord and Savior. If that's your heart's cry, just raise your hand real bold all over this room. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Jesus died publicly, openly for you. God bless those hands. Just raise them up. Leave them up right now. Just 
leave your hand up right now. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I'm not playing a, I'm not playing a game with God anymore. It's not God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. No, it's God, I'm going to serve you no matter what. I'm going to live for you no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. Right now, if you raised your hand, I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I give you everything. I was made by you. And I was made for you. And I surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I believe you died on the cross. Paid the price for my sin. Rose again on the third day. So you could be the Lord of my life. So take me, God. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me. I am yours. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord a great big round of praise. Amen.